The fury of the virus illustrates the folly of war. It is time to put armed conflict on lockdown and focus together on the true fight of our lives. Dear listener, we find ourselves amidst a true global crisis. Our interconnectivity is more apparent than ever. Nothing seems what it once was. Now is the time to radically realize a world which holds violence and conflict and stops excluding women and youth. As Chris continues to breathe, peace builders worldwide continue to work on a more peaceful world for tomorrow. This season is all about the peace builders making this needed change possible. Listen to their inspiring stories and reimagine this new reality with us. Welcome to the Peace Corner podcast, brought to you by GPAC, UNOI Peace Builders, CSPPS, and Pass Peace. Welcome back to the Peace Corner podcast. Today we're joined by a special guest, Diego Garzon, father of Multicultural Colombia. Today we're also going to be diving into minority groups in Colombia and the impact of COVID-19 in multicultural work. Thank you so much for joining us today, Diego. We're very happy to hear from you. Thank you for inviting me. Can you please tell us what inspired you to become a peace builder and more about your story? Yeah, my name is Diego Garzon. I'm a teacher here in, in Sweden, in Gothenburg. And, and I started with Multicultural for uh, six years ago. Uh, I started here in Sweden with Multicultural Sweden. And then uh, I went to Colombia and started Multicultural Colombia. The thing that inspires me is uh, was uh, to see a lot of yeah, children in Colombia, the streets, paying for money and hungry and everything. The lack of schools and the lack of uh, food, the lack of a lot of facilities for these children. That's the, the, the thing that inspired me to do this. In Multicultural, at Multicultural, we work with community empowerment. And our uh, aim is to empower communities so they can like uh, drive their own uh, projects. Yeah, we work a lot with sports and uh, we work a lot with uh, English, English classes. We have a program... Um, with uh, different people from the from, from different parts of the world that come to Colombia. We have a, an English school and we have a football school. We have a kindergarten as well and we have a hip-hop program. We are uh, situated in two different cities in Colombia, in Medellin and in Bogota. Uh, we work with the internal refugees, and uh, but our main group are the young adults and the children. It's so great to hear about the work you do. It's very inspiring. And you were just talking about the importance of empowering communities. Yes. So could you tell us why Why do you think it's so important to work with these marginalized groups, such as displaced people and especially youth? I think that one of the main problems in Latin America is that there is a lot of uh, NGOs. And the NGOs, uh, like, start a project. And then uh, they drive the project, they do everything, and there is a lot of people come there and do a lot of stuff. But the project, it's like they, they are never, it's not the people, the one who wants to have that, that project. So with Multicultural, that we try to do is that teach the people how to, how to uh, search money from uh, different organizations and then uh, organize them and uh, so, the, so that they can like drive their own uh, program. So we have we can be there for a long time, but our aim is to be without job. I don't know if you understand. I mean, I don't know if, if it's so complicated, but our, the aim of the organization is just to 
come to these neighborhoods, work with the people, listen to the people, help them to organize, do these projects for like one year, two years, and then the community have to drive the, the, the project by themselves. So I think that it's important to empower them and to let them know that they can do these things by themselves. And they don't need a lot of NGOs uh, that they can just like develop the projects by, by, by themselves. That's why I think that it's really, really important to empower people and to let them know that, that they can do things by themselves, that they, everything is possible. You just have to uh, have the, the discipline and, and want to do it. So that, that's the thing that we do in Multicultural. We try to make people the protagonist of, of their own projects and not Multicultural. I mean, the project cannot be doing if you don't have a community that wanted to be there. So the project in our is not our project, it's the community project. So we try to just like show them that they can do this. We are there because we have a lot of, uh, maybe we have because of the university, a lot of academical, I mean, a lot of people who have been at the university and things and we can different languages and a lot of things, but they are the ones who can like, because they live there and they know what is the problematics in, the, in this uh, neighborhood. So it's important, I think that it's important for us and, and for them to know that they can do this as well. So that's why we try to empower them. That's a very important message that you're bringing across to these communities, that they can do it themselves yeah. and that they are the ones that can drive the change. And in working with all these minority groups, and you also work with some indigenous, indigenous communities and displaced people, what are some issues that they are facing at the moment, Would you, you would say? The first thing that I think that is a problem is that they are refugees, internal refugees. And then they come from small towns in Colombia and they move into big towns and they, they became, I mean, they, they are like in no man's land, you know, they don't have anything, anything. And every, everywhere, if they wanted to like build a house, it is illegal. If they wanted to have like water, it's illegal. If they want to have phones, it's illegal because, I mean, it's like they, doesn't, they don't exist. And, it, and because there's a lot of indigenous people and a lot of uh, Afro-Colombians, they don't have any ID or they don't even know when they are born. So the problem is more like that they don't have the information. There is a lot of problems, but I, I think that the first thing is that they don't have like rights because nobody knows who they are and they cannot read um, like 70 or 80 percent of them cannot read or write and then uh, can speak Spanish not that well so everyone can do whatever they want with these people there is a lot of problems in these communities but i think that the the, the biggest one is that one that they are illegal everywhere if they try to work in the streets and like sell candies it's illegal if they try to uh, sleep on the streets it's illegal if they try to build a house it's illegal if the, everything is illegal we have a team of lawyers in Multicultural Colombia that help these communities to know what their rights are and, and how to become legals in Colombia, in, in, in their own country. How to build, how to say that they have right to build houses, to a house, to water, to phones, to everything. Uh, the challenges in Colombia are really big, really, really big, especially in the big cities because they are indigenous or they are Afro-Colombians and they almost, all of them cultivate fruit and everything. And then they come to Bogota or Til Medellin and they cannot do that. They don't have any work. I mean, 
it's really difficult. There I is can a- imagine also that working with such a community, why you want to work with such communities so much because it's they really feel illegal in their own country and they're not, it's their country. Yeah. They have as much rights as everyone else and they should flourish like every other Colombian. It's, uh, oh, it's really difficult and then to, to talk to the governance of the country or to the cities, no one wants to, uh, because if, if they are like citizens in Medellin, then they have right to a lot of stuff. So nobody wants to tell them or, or write that they are legal in their cities. Yeah. And that's a big problem. I have a question about all these people that are internally displaced. Have most of them been because of the conflict? Yeah, all of them. Um, not, I mean, like 80, 80% of them are uh, because of the conflict. The, the worst year was 2002 uh, when mm-hmm. we had more internal displaced. I mean, it was insane. From 2002 to 2010, we had a lot of internal displacement in Colombia. So in 2018, the UNHCR estimated that there are over 7 million 671,124 internally displaced people and predicted that this number will continue to increase. Yeah. How, how do you see this for changing? Or what do you think can be done with, about this? The, 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 the problem in Colombia is structural. People doesn't have, there is no equality, you know. Nobody can do everything and nobody can have everything. So uh, they have to change this, how they see violence in Colombia and how they see war or peace. Because in Colombia, the, the, the war is not only like with weapons, you know. The problem is the people, people is tired, people is, um, yeah, they are tired about don't, the corruption and everything. I think that the situation will not change in Colombia, unfortunately, for the last, I mean, for the coming 10 or 15 years. I think it will be really, really difficult because there is a lot of corruption. And And we have this problem with drugs, and I don't. I have a lot of hope, but I think it's really difficult uh, to stop it. Yeah. This thing. I understand a lot because, as you know, I come from Peru. Okay. And in, in Peru, we also see all these cycles of corruption and failures of the government to actually provide to the people, mm-hmm. and the same people always get are always the what are harmed the most. And those are the indigenous communities, our communities in the Amazons and our Afro communities that the government fails. And it's hard to see a, a, few, a close future where everything will change. Yeah, it's, it's really difficult. But I, I have this hope and I think that if we work with an empowerment, then the people, when they have, I mean, when they know what they have right to, I think that, it, that that would change a lot of things if they just know their rights. Could you also tell us more about some of the projects that Multicultural is implementing in Colombia using sports and recreational work, socialization, education and process, and how this contributes to achieving peace and for the hope that we have in post-conflict situations? Yes, of course. Uh, We have in Bogota, we have uh, two projects. One is a kindergarten for uh, uh, children uh, uh, who has... uh, Their parents have problems with drugs or alcohol. So we have a small uh, kindergarten with 85 children. And uh, we have a, a, a program with the whole community where we teach them uh, uh, computer sciences. And then we try to prepare them 
to write like a, a high school exam, I don't know, in order to go into the university. So we have integrated the whole community in this. We have had this project for, for a lot, for about three years, and it, it's really good. That helps a lot, these guys. We have a lot of, there is a special neighborhood in, in Bogota, that the name is Santa Fe. Uh, there is the kindergarten, and the neighborhood, Santa Fe, have a problem with the prostitution, a lot of prostitution on the streets. We try to help those uh, women who have children can go to our kindergarten during the day, and they, they have to pick up the, the, the children about four o'clock. And then we have uh, like educational programs with them, with the parents, with the mothers of these children. Uh, then we have a program with indigenous people in Bogota, in a neighborhood called uh, Bologna. And uh, the program there is uh, an English school. And we have, uh, we want to start small businesses uh, with the people there with indigenous people now. The problem now with, was, is with the coronavirus because we cannot go to Colombia, we cannot work with them. We, they don't have any food. I mean, people in Colombia or, and, and these indigenous people, they don't have any food and they survive selling candies at the streets or, or in the buses and they cannot do that. So uh, the, the, the money who was uh, planning to, to invest at the project in these educational rooms or computer program we went to uh, to provide them food them with food so we have concentrated in in, in that in, in the provide them food but that program is, is aimed to to start small business and to uh, work with them in order to to empower the community so they can start an uh, ecological tourism program we have uh, this program in Medellin, another program in another city, the Medellin. And we have uh, a hip hop school. Uh, the name is Elemento Illegal. We have done uh, five music videos, and the guys have been here in, in Sweden. And uh, different uh, Swedish artists have have, uh, have been in Colombia and teach them how to like use all the things for, for uh, to do music. We have. Um, Another project in, in, in Medellin, and the name is uh, the Aulo Inglés. I can speak English. And uh, then we have a lot of people from the United States, from France, Ireland, and uh, Italy. So they go to Colombia for six months, and uh, they work at the uh, English school. The last one is when Multicultural started. So we started with a football school for 30 children. And now we have 230. And we have a small business where uh, the mothers of the children sell sandwiches to the children every Monday and Wednesday. So, and we have 200. So, so uh, this small business helps them to, to have money, to, and, the, and the money goes around in the organization. So that's it. That's what we do. We try to work a lot, uh, like in this football school. We mm -hmm. try to work a lot with discipline. I mean. All of them want to be like football stars, you know, uh, and, and to become a football star, you must have like a lot of discipline and you have to be good. You, must, you, you have to work in group. You have to learn a lot of things in order to become a football star, if you say so. So we try to work with them a lot 
those are small children that doesn't have, I mean, it's not easy for them. Mm-hmm. But now it's big and it's really cool. Yeah, yeah. that's really cool to also give um, kids a chance to play and to tell them that if you want to become this, you have to put a lot of work and effort and yeah. that can teach them so much so they can lead very good lives later on. Yes. And how do all these projects help towards achieving more peace in Colombia? Community empowerment will help Colombia a lot uh, to, to, to reach peace and the information programs uh, because the people know their rights so, so they can just go to the government and, and, be, and just like try to get the, the, the things that they have right to. And the football schools, I think that, it, that, that prevent the children to go in into, into different gangs in Colombia because almost the majority of those guys, of those small children, uh, started, start, out, start to uh, sell drugs. But they, when, when they are at the football school, they are like always with us. So you prevent a lot of things. So when you have something to do, like music, that will help you a lot. And that would help peace, I mean, to, to construct peace in Colombia a lot. It makes sense if you have, if you help young children be off the streets and you give people a platform to also voice their anger towards the government and to express all of this in alternative ways, it's positive, right? Right. So they don't go back into violence and they don't contribute to all the negative things. And Mm -hmm. you briefly mentioned about uh, how COVID-19 impacted your work. Could you tell us some of the challenges about it or some opportunities? that arose from the pandemic? Uh, there have been a lot of challenges. We have had a lot of problems because we have to stop the programs. We cannot have the program in Medellin uh, because of the people like is afraid. And we have to take care of this coronavirus. I mean, the, the health programs in Colombia are not that good. So we have to see that the people doesn't get sick. I mean, coronavirus has affected a lot the project in Medellin. In Bogota, like I told you, with the indigenous people, we have to stop the program. We uh, were going to Colombia now, the next month, to do like a lot of uh, statistics, but we could be, we cannot do that because of this coronavirus. We stopped the program with the computer sciences because the people, we cannot like buy a lot of computers when the people doesn't have anything to eat or doesn't have any water, I mean. So that's why, that, that's, that was one of them. And the children in, at the kindergarten, that's more complicated because those are really vulnerable uh, people. They, they, they are children, you know, they are from two to six and they cannot come to the kindergarten now because of this pandemic. So it has affected us a lot, a lot, a lot. They are, the positive thing that I, that I see here is that we have more time to organize everything better in Colombia and, and in Sweden and try to like get more money to help more in Colombia and other countries. So the, the coronavirus has been really, really hard for us. Yeah, I think coronavirus has made everyone kind of realize and forced everyone to take a step back. Yeah. <laughs> have you managed to find any alternative ways to work through this pandemic and have there been any positive or any good outcomes from this? We have, uh, now we have more communication with the team in Colombia. Now we have meetings twice a week 
And the positive thing about this is that uh, people, the, the indigenous people, the indigenous groups that we are working with, uh, one of the leaders, he learned how to use uh, meats. Uh, and that's a really positive thing because uh, indigenous people doesn't have the access to all this technology and they are a little bit afraid to learn. But now this guy was really interested about this. So he learned how to how to use all the computers and programs that we have. It also sounds like such a great way for self-empowering. Yeah. Because he, it was his own will that he wants to learn and he did and it. That, uh, now we can say that, you know, that, that they are the protagonists now. I mean, he was like, at the beginning, I think that he was like, no, I will never learn about this. I don't know how to read. I don't know how to write. I don't know how to do a lot of stuff. But now, when he's learning about computers, I think that that, that, that wakes some... Um, he, he wants to learn more about that. Uh, that's so great. And yeah. so positive. Yeah. So that's a positive thing that coronavirus had <laughs> in us. <laughs> and he's just a lead. He's just... He's, since he's an elite indigenous leader, he can lead the way for everyone else. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's true. And just as our final question, because our time is coming up, and I don't want to keep on taking more of your time, Diego. Do you have any stories of hope or inspiration that you want to share with our listeners looking at the responses of COVID-19? I mean, this has been a, a, a really difficult situation. And... Uh, but it has shows us that we can like work together and and, and and see how vulnerable we are and help each other. Coronavirus, I think that is really negative, but it has shown a lot of how weak our society is. I don't know, keep working for peace and keep working for, for equality. I think that's, that's what I see. Muchas gracias, Diego. Thank you, Diego, so much for joining us today. And thank you to all our listeners for tuning in. Stay safe and take care. Thanks for listening to the Peace Corner podcast. We amplify the voices that pursue a sustainable peace, especially now in the face of a pandemic. Keep reimagining a better world with us. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, or wherever you might be listening.